Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How are we feeling tonight? I'm good. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm good. Who we got lined up? Today we have two people, actually. Melody Forgani and Amanda Perlstein of 23. Now, for those who don't know, 23 is an Australia and U.S.-based PR and management company. They represent artists like Buddy, No Name, Clams Casino, shout out my boy Baird, Baird, Alto Paolo, and more. And when we interview people in the publicity space, I really enjoy talking about stories because all they do is help craft stories and promote stories. And today we get to do that in a really awesome, entertaining, genuine way. So with both of them, we, cut, we talk about what makes a campaign successful and examples of that. And we also talk about building and, and prototyping a story or narrative to push during a campaign. We also talked about their stories leading up to where they are today. You know, this is a very tactical podcast, but I do sometimes like getting into the weeds of how people actually broke in so people can get advice and tips from other people's stories as well. So overall, super dope episode. It's got a great balance of background on our guests, what makes them good at what they do, and how you can be great at promoting your work and promoting your narrative as well. What'd you think, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, press can be so valuable in, a, in an artist's career and helping them acquire new fans. Uh, with that being said, I, I think it's also super challenging. So they, what I really enjoyed too is we start to get a little bit tactical around how you can go about building relationships with different media outlets. And I think it was funny because Melody, when she was talking about this, halfway through, she was like, hang on, I feel like I'm literally just describing friendship. And I, I think there's a lot of merit to that because I think a lot of this is it's not a, a transactional uh, it's not a transactional thing where you're trying to get make a transaction to get pressed, but instead you really are trying to build these long-lasting relationships. So I think they uh, shed a lot of light on how you could go about doing that. So super grateful for that. Um, without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Amanda and Melody, thanks for, thanks for virtually coming out. No worries. Yeah, it's thanks so, for having me. Where, where are you both right now? Melody, you're in Australia, right? Yeah. I'm Amanda, in regional in- New South Wales. I'm in LA. Cool. You're in LA. So that's, that's one, the one small, very small, very tiny positive that we have here for the Music Business Podcast is that we can get people from different, different parts of the world to come talk to us. So we're very glad that you, uh, that you came out to virtually to, to speak to us. Um, I guess just to get started, um, you know, your 90 second pitch of how you guys got into the music industry, um, that would be great just to kind of kind of lay the foundation for the conversation. Sure, I can go first. Yeah, you go. Um, I think I just loved music um, as a kid growing up and I had an older sibling. um, So she introduced me to a lot of music that I up on um mm-hmm. but I just wasn't good enough at <laughs> making my own music so <laughs> I just thought like whatever I can do to help um be or just to be a part of the community um right. and I think like the, the community aspect of of music has always really um yeah been something that um drew me in so I just I was always just kind of like desperately wanting to <laughs> be involved in in these um 
different genres and worlds and stuff. And then, yeah, I think like slowly through community radio, um, I got to meet lots of different people who also had that same passion, some of which were actually talented musicians. Um, and yeah, just kind of eventually got to where we are now. So when, so was the, was um, 23 like your, the first official title you had, or did you have one before that? Um, I used to work, well, I, I started at a community radio station um, in Sydney called FBI Radio. Um, oh, nice. There, um, that, that was happening while I was in high school and then in uni when mm. I studied media um, and communications and was focusing on radio, actually. And, um, yeah, FBI, for anyone that knows it, can attest that it's basically like the hub of Sydney music community. Mm-hmm. And it represents so many different um, genres and niches. Um, I think niches in American is niche. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say, I say, I say niche. So maybe, maybe that's the only thing I say, like uh, in Australian. <laughs> but I, I, I say niche. <laughs> it always throws me a lot when people say that, but I love it. Um, but yeah, so it, it just kind of represented so many different um, interesting groups of people, voices. Um, but also a lot of different genres. Um, and I really learned a lot from being there um, about how to tell a good story, but also um, how to build the mm. foundations for um, having a platform for artists that are new and rising um, and, you know, like maybe are completely independent and don't don't have any supports that they rely on FBI. And from FBI I learned um, why I was connected to a lot of different people there and everyone kind of like either runs their own club night or they have their own label or their blog or you know that kind of thing and I got um, introduced to someone who ran a a record label um, and I worked as their PA and it was a small label um, I won't even bother mentioning it because (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a very good experience there but I learned a lot about um I learned a lot about what I don't want to do (laughs) in music Um, but it was it was it was an interesting position where I just got to um, learn a lot about um, how to be really proactive. Like oftentimes I was kind of left to my um, left to myself and, and my boss would be away overseas on tours and different things. So I would kind of like make up um, like coastal cafe tours for our smaller um, mm. guitar, like acoustic guitar bands. And I would like call the cafes and be like, Hey, can we have this artist playing in, in the like courtyard? Um, and then kind of made a a tour out of it and and turned like you know made little tour posters and and like sold merch and kept the money in a little envelope but I I was really young but um but that was yeah that was a time where I kind of just like tried as many things as I could while my boss wasn't around (laughs) and then I eventually got fired so um so that happened and then from there um I think I just went in and out of a lot of different volunteer roles um and the the main job that I had before um, starting 23 was working at a, a PR company called Bossy Music, which taught me a lot. And um, from there, we worked on some really amazing campaigns like Lord's first album, Flume's first album, Chet Faker, um, Gautier's second record, um, and wow. a lot of, of different great artists and also doing PR for Laneway Festival. So I think as a, uh, I don't know how old I was, I guess like maybe 19 or 20, um, 
working with Lord and, you know, she would like come to our office and I would take her to press in my car and um, that kind of thing. Like it was like pretty crazy to watch um, that all grow. Um, and then, yeah, sure. yeah, long story short, I think from there um, I had some friends that had approached me who had this EP and didn't know anything about music or anyone that worked in music apart from me. So um, I helped them basically put their music on streaming platforms and they were really lucky that on the day that they chose to release their music, they kind of just went viral. And from there, um, I don't know if you want to know all this detail, but I'm just going to tell you anyway, but from there, um, they yeah just were really lucky in that had a lot of different people interested and um, long story short they asked me to manage them and um, I think after a lot of different considerations I was going to potentially stay at that company or go to um, some other places and I think when I really thought about it um, something I'd always really thought about before this even came up was creating a business where the culture of the company is one that really aligns with who I am and how I like to work mm-hmm. um, from, from bigger conceptual things um, down to like how I want to always like speak to people on email mm-hmm. or in person. Um, and not to say other companies that I've worked for weren't like that, but I think just more and more being someone that is so sensitive like me, I I just really needed to, work in a way that made sense for me and not be too, um, too controlled, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, not that anyone was like that controlling, but it was more just having the freedom to kind of do what felt right, um, at a time that felt right for me too. So I decided to start my own company and I was 23 at the time and it's like very lame and I really regret the the business name, but it is what it is. Um, (laughs) and, um, and like, if anyone cares to know, I didn't want to not have the E in 23 and it was taken (laughs) and I couldn't think of any other idea. So, so I I mean, (laughs) I'm cool. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I feel like on calls I have to be like, it's um, yeah, no, it's Melody at um T W and no, no E. I know, but then the E in twenty three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, anyway, and then um, yeah, a few a few years later came uh, meeting Amanda and um, diving awesome. into that. So I want to take out a couple nuggets of your story actually, and 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 uh, examine them in isolation because I think they're important. I think the first one is that at your first job, you took risks, um, even if it, I mean, obviously you want to be in line with whatever the company values and missions are, but um, it sounds like you took risks because you were passionate about trying something really cool and it ended up working really well, even if it didn't necessarily align with uh, the company's mission, it kind of gave you a better idea of where to go next with what you wanted to do in your career. Um, And I think that's really important to note. Um, Another one, Another one is you uh, you thought about your values and what you actually and and what's the best way that you can work and I think um, that's something that at least for people that I've heard that want to join the music industry don't pay attention to um, enough. Um, it's you know obviously for the people that are aspiring it's really important to get your foot in the door in any way that you in any way that you see fit. But you know the earlier that you can think about those values um, and and how you work best will ultimately end up and you working at a place that you really appreciate. Um, so as you know, as much as I've spoken to people that are like, I just want to get in the door, I just want to do it. Like 
you defined how you wanted that door to look like really early. Um, and I think that's something that people should, should definitely take away from that as well. Also like all good about providing details. Cause in my head, I just take notes like I just did. And then I spit back some, some facts <laughs> and some, and some, and some stuff for our listeners. So, so all good on that. Um, there was another one though, um, that's slipping my mind right now. So, um, Amanda, you can go and then I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to write it down, uh, in addition to the ones that I mentally take about you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, it's really interesting hearing Melody um, share that because I've known Melody now for a few years and we're business partners now. Um, but I always forget that we actually had really similar starts. And I think that's maybe like why one day we came together. Um, but my start was a little different in the beginning. Um, I worked in advertising and public health, totally different industries. <laughs> Um, I, I moved to New York actually from where I'm from in Virginia uh, to get my master's in public health. Um, and while I was in grad school and while I was like, you know, finding my footing in my career, I was like writing a little bit about music and I was, I was always making playlists and I was always going to shows, but I'd never considered music as a job. I don't know. I, I was raised in a family where like entertainment wasn't really an option. So I was like, oh, like people do that for a living. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and so I kind of, uh, I just cold emailed a bunch of people, which looking back is like really funny. Cause like I found one of my cover letters, um, canine records <laughs> actually was one of my first internships. We own K there. I don't know if you know them, but they're amazing. They're in New York. Uh, and they actually lived across the street from me and my apartment was in East Williamsburg at the time. And I, my cover letter was like, Hey, like my skills are in public health, but I love music. <laughs> um, and they wrote me back and they actually, I mean, I think they, they must have liked my cover letter, but they also said like, um, they were at the time having their first child, they're a couple. And they were mm -hmm. kind of like, you know what, we do this all, like it's a mom and pop shop. They're like, we need some help. Um, and that was really where I learned a lot. Like, I mean, I, I just, they're such a small shop. Like they do all their distro, they do like everything from like streaming to, you know, working with the managers one-on-one -on -one to marketing plans. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was really, really young at the time, but I, I felt like I learned a lot. And then from there, um, I interned at a bunch of different places to try to just get more experience. Um, so I interned at mom and pop and ATO and eventually I landed at Shorefire um, as a publicist. Um, and I, 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 it's again, interesting looking back because uh, those internships, I, it's like what you described. I was just trying to get my foot in the door. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted. I just wanted to work in music. Uh, and now, you know, music's a small world and I, I still talk to regularly pretty much all the people I interned with like 10 years ago. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think that's a looking, that's a kernel. I feel like for me, like just that, you know, it's a small world and just to treat all your connections like gold, you never know where they're going to end up. Um, right. yeah. And then from Shorefire, I moved on to partisan records. I was their publicist cause I just wanted to get experience as a publicist at a label. And I really admired, excuse me, admired their roster. Um, and then I wanted to move to LA. Um, <laughs> so then I, um, I briefly worked at Big Hassle, um, while I was moving and then landed at Stone's Throw. Um, and I was their publicist for a few years, and that's where I met Melody. And the rest is history. Yeah, I yeah. It. I mean, we can tell you that whole story, too. I just feel like we're getting so detailed, so just let me know. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. And I think it's helpful context, for sure. Yeah. But with that said, I mean, on the, the subject of stories, and after yeah. having just heard those great stories, I mean, when you're speaking to different press outlets and trying to craft and pitch stories around the artists you're involved with, I mean, from your perspective, what makes a great story or what makes a story press worthy? Um, me or Melody? Or both? Yeah, Amanda, you go first and then Melody, you come in. 
Cool. Um, I mean, I've like always been a huge believer in that like authenticity resonates. Like I think it has to be genuine and it has to, it doesn't have to, but if it relates to something that someone else can relate to that happened in their life, like whether it's heartbreak or coming to your own identity or how you found music. Um, I just feel like the stories that are really told from the heart are the ones that really go far. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of general, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Melody, do you have anything to add? I think, um, yeah, definitely. I think um, one example that I always like to um, talk about is this artist that I worked with called Willerus K. Um, he's an amazing electronic producer. And at the time um, when his music started to really grow in Australia, there wasn't really anything like his music that um, was represented on on Triple J and radio um, nationally in Australia. And so when we, we were talking at the beginning of his um, career, we talked about all the different things that um, he did. So he was a, car- a carpenter during the day. Um, and he lived in the central coast um, here where there's like a big kind of surf um, culture. And then at nighttime, um, you know, like carpenter, you imagine like really like, um, like tradies. I don't know if this, these kind of references like make sense in the States, but just kind of like guys making stuff during the day in the bush and going surfing. And then you, um, then you think about like him at nighttime making this really dark electronic music kind of similar to maybe like John Hopkins and, and like, it's quite different worlds that he exists in like the carpenter tradie world. And then this like dark electronic young, like kind of scene. Um, and I think when I, when he was telling me a bit about his life, I just found that really fascinating and kind of funny. Like um, just the image of like, what he's like during the day and then the kind of music he makes at night just feels like I, I was thinking I wonder if the like the people he works with know about the electronic side and what they would think of when it came to that so it just was a really strong visual in my head and so it was like really easy to say to press you know he's a carpenter by day producer by night and I think sometimes it's really helpful when you're talking to press to give them the crux of the story in a really simple way so that they can, you know, if they want to like run with that as their main kind of like element of the story, if you want to kind of feed them the the headlines that they could work with, then it kind of makes it easier for them. But you're also giving everybody like a really strong visual of what this artist is like, what worlds he exists in. And um, like Amanda said as well, like, both those sides of his life were really authentic and genuine. Like he really loved making stuff. And I think he was building houses at the time. Um, but he also like has this strong passion for, for this kind of music and, and knew that world really well, but also knew that world really well. So I just found like pr- providing people with the, um, the crux of what the story could be in a really simple way is really helpful um, because then you're kind of doing part of their job for them and giving them, you know, like the, the the golden nugget and then they can kind of run with that as well. But sometimes like I almost wonder with some press, like, you know, there's so many artists, there's so many um, different stories to tell if you want to make their life a little bit easier and really try and like summarize it for them. Um, then it, you know, then maybe more likely to also run with it too. But it's also, I think, really relatable to a lot of people mm-hmm. in Australia. 
Yeah. If I can add to that, I was also, when she was talking and when you were talking, it made me think that um, I think it also really depends on what stage the artist is in their career. Um, because I do think like, I was just thinking back to a lot of different types of acts I've worked with. Um, and when you're working with someone who has a bit more of an established audience and history, I think it's, it's, in my opinion, it works better to go into like the themes on the album or like, what, what, what are they doing? That's making like this project special. But if you're just introducing someone, I always tell teams I work with, like, you gotta get people to care about the artist at all first, <laughs> um, before you get too detailed. And I think for that, that's like kind of what Melody's speaking to. Like in the beginning, it's like, what is the hook that's going to reel them in before they know who it is? Mm-hmm. Sam has a follow-up question, but I, I just want to say you answered my next question. <laughs> so that was awesome. Anyway, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> no, like, so, I mean, when you're starting to work with a new artist, I mean, when you're trying to, because I just want to really uh, distill this into a bit of a framework, if you will, for some of our listeners that are like, yeah, this all makes perfect sense, but like, I don't know how to perfectly frame my story. And I think it's, it can be a bit of a daunting task at times too. And I like, I think oftentimes like the objectives of why somebody want press tends to be like, I want relevant exposure. I want to acquire fans. I'm releasing an album, but then like that in and of itself by no means is going to be why you're going to stand out relative to every single other artist in the world that wants press for those reasons. So from that perspective, I mean, you, it, it, it seems like what you're saying is really kind of go down this introspective path or even as an external party, really try and get a very deep understanding of the artist, of the project, the inspirations, what authentically drew them towards it, and then just distill that down into a simple story. I mean, is that, is that like the foundation? And if so, like what, how do you do yeah. that on a more granular level? Cause I know it's, it can't be that simple. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I, I'll try to answer the best way I can. Um, and the melody, I want you to give you a shot too. But um, I think like one thing that at Shorefire taught me actually that I just find so helpful is that I have a list of about like eight to 10 questions that whenever I start a project, I ask the, the artist and it's kind of like, you know, of course there's a bio and there, you know, there, there's a quote from the artist, but it's kind of more going into like these types of questions. Like, you know, like who do you, who inspires you? Like, who do you look up to? Like, why did you start making music? Are there themes on this record? Where did you write this record? Like what locations are important? Like, I mean, I can go on, but I think, um, I can think of an example. Melody and I actually worked on together. So with 23, we, we do U.S. campaigns, Australian campaigns, and then we do joint campaigns. And there was one joint one. We've been working with Wilder Records. Um, which is a singles label from Future Classic and Windows. You might not know it. It's new. Um, but we worked with this artist named Mojo. Um, her artist name is Moju, um, but her name is Mojo. Um, and she was telling us, like, she the purpose of her song didn't have this deep meaning. It was that she just wanted to make a pop song. Um, and I felt like Melody and I, like, when we had that call, it, it kind of, like, brought it back to me that, like, there doesn't always have to be a deeper meaning. <laughs> um, it just has to you just have to be able to tell the story of what the song's about in a way that's true to the artist. Um, so that was one thing. And then secondly, to your point, I always also ask people, like, we all have our own interests, you know, like, and what, when, if you were on the other side of the email, like, what would you, what would spark your interest? Like, what, what is it about this project that you want to read in a few sentences? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> what about you? No, no, sure. it, that, it, it's so true. Like you, sometimes you just like, you look for the most deep, like emotive kind of stories. And then like in reality, not everybody cares. 
Um, so I think like, um, I think on, you know, in addition to having a really good press story, um, in, in some cases, I think the other important thing is not just like what the story is, but where you're pitching it and where you're housing the story or housing mm. like the, the general pitch. Because I think one mistake that people sometimes make is like, you know, there's like maybe like the big five outlets that we could all probably jot down that every single act wants or every single label wants. Mm. And like it doesn't necessarily always mean that that because they get those outlets that suddenly they're going to like have amazing fans. And it's the same with Australia in like, just because you might get played on triple J doesn't mean that that's always going to equate into like a loyal following or Mm -hmm. a relationship with the listener. So I think like the thing that's really important um, is also, you know, like what community are you talking to and what, what, like, what is that outlet already talking about? Like, what do they do really well or what, what community do you represent? Because I think if you're just kind of pitching things all over the place, like even if you do get something on, on like this great outlet, if the people that are reading it don't resonate with it, then it doesn't really translate into anything. And it's just like a helpful PDF for a visa application you know like it doesn't necessarily equate into a relationship and I think that at the heart of it like sometimes I think we get stuck in the um process of just like new artists what's the press story pitch it out to the relevant outlets kind of you know you get in you get stuck in the motions but I think when you take a few steps back and you're really trying to like help that artist have some sort of presence then you need to think about not just like what their stories, but, you know, who is going to relate to it. And if there isn't an obvious audience, like where could you imagine it fitting or, you know, that kind of thing. I always talk to different um, artists locally in Australia and talk about like, okay, so where do you live? And it's not just a matter of like Sydney-born artist. It's actually more like, okay, maybe you actually live in this small beach town and maybe that beach town has lots of different local zines that are reflective of the culture there. And then that can build like a good relationship with the people that live there. So you can have shows there and you can sell out those shows and then you can move on to other things because I think people, especially media in Australia, uh, like love that. They love, you know, I think internationally you could probably think about Perth in Australia and know that that's the home of like Tame Impala and Pond and all these great artists and that or or like Courtney Barnett in Melbourne like there's all these pockets and I think you know the stronger foundation you have in your own area and it might not even be um like geographically like you might be an artist that is actually like really prominent in the SoundCloud world or in whatever world um it could be like virtual, but when, when you have a community and you can really connect with them and you can connect to your story or connect to your non-story with other people that also don't care about stories, then that way you have like that relationship growing. And then that translates to people wanting to listen to you. So they go on, you know, your streaming numbers grow or they want to like see what you're up to in your life. So you have more followers on Instagram or that kind of thing. I think that's like really at the heart of why press is important right awesome um how much of that story normally do you both help construct when working with the artists and how much of it actually comes from the artists themselves or does it defer between 
different clients or I guess just the process of like building that narrative or lack of. And then after that, I'm also just wondering how do you, how do you promote, how do you promote and, and push forward an artist that just doesn't have a narrative and you're actually leaning into them, not having a narrative. Like what is, what is that process like too? Um, I'm sorry. I had a thought and then I, I think it's really hard when there's not a narrative. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it is possible. I think, um, Often, I think when we, especially the way Melody and I curate our roster, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we're drawn to artists that like have a vision. Um, mm. So I think a lot of the times, I wouldn't say it's like already there, but we can, I think before we take it on, we can kind of see where it's going mm-hmm. or where it's gone. Um, there've been a few times where I've worked with artists where, um, yeah, like it's just been really hard to pull that out. It's, it's been more someone who just is devoted to music and just wants to keep, you know, perfectly making music. Um, mm-hmm. I think in that case, it's, it's, it's kind of like what Melody is saying. I think you just have to find where is, where is that person, like, where does that story live? Um, not so the story, but like, where does that music live? Like maybe he just make, he or she makes music that just goes viral on a bunch of Spotify playlists and it's just like easy listening. And that's the story. <laughs> um, or, right. you know, or, or it's like, oftentimes I really think it has to do, I mean, not to repeat ourselves, but just the community they come from, like we're, we're working mm. with artists called Creams that's from the country of Georgia. And it's been uh, really fun. I think for me to dive into just like, you know, we want to introduce her um, to the U S audience, but we also want to talk about like, what is the Georgian music scene? Uh, And we're talking to like places like Bandcamp or in acclaim in Australia to talk about like, let's, let's get people familiar with what this scene is like um, before we go deeper into who this artist is. Yeah. I agree. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just did, I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to interrupt. Um, you you kind of talked about it a little bit, Amanda, but like, how do you guys choose which artists to work with? You um, just kind of like double down, doubling down on the the vision aspect of it. Um, and obviously, I, I assume that you would like their music too. But what what is that process like? I can say for um, for me, I like. As long as I like the music, I don't necessarily care what they've done or where they're going. Um, but I think if I can connect with it, then that's a really good start. I also think in a really realistic like sense to be transparent, I think it's really important for me to know that the team that surrounds that project, if there is one, is one that is... Um, not easy to work with, but they are on the same page. And I think that's really important because it takes a lot to break an artist. And I think sometimes it can take one song or one piece, but sometimes it can take, um, you know, multiple releases. And I think that um, that is really important to establish. So yeah, it can be, it has to be that the music is strong. And I think um, typically like in Australia, I really, um, there are some genres that I just really personally connect with, um, like the local hip hop scene, which I think is um, starting to kind of have its own growth here. Whereas, you know, in the past, it's always been Australian hip hop artists trying to like hide their Australian accents and um, and try and connect with the rest of the world. Whereas now they're getting more comfortable with just being who they are and reflecting their own reality. And, and I, I'm really drawn to that because I think um, 
I think, oh my God, I hate to say it, but it really does feel authentic and it's really fun to be involved in like seeing, I guess in Australia you grew up looking at like the States and for example, like you'd look at all the different hip hop scenes and communities and, and always um, love that. But I think as an Australian, I could never relate to it. Whereas here, when you have like local artists talking about, you know, the suburb next door to yours and you're like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, that's like, that's my community. Um, so I think, yeah, there's certain genres that I just fall to, but I think the music is really important. And, you know, no one wants to work with a team that is like extremely unrealistic and um, yeah, not, not kind of treating you equally. Publicists get like, that you're like the runt of the team. <laughs> <laughs> and people, like, it's like the artist works so this is kind of a bit of a tangent but the artist like <laughs> works for so long on this project and they put their whole life into it and then this team's like building it up to you know get this the plan together and a strategy together and, and sometimes it can seem like the publicist is like the last person um at the end of the cycle and then the first person to introduce it to the rest of the world and if there's like some sort of disconnect there, then like you kind of immediately get the, um, get the brunt of it. But like, it's so important that people understand like the broader, um, scheme of how things work. Cause it's just not, it's not always that simple. Um, there's so many things. So yeah, I just try and work with people who are respectful and, uh, cool. <laughs> be cool if there's one thing you take away from this podcast be respectful and cool <laughs> number one yeah, there's a lot of merit there and i also think too i mean it's interesting because i uh the i mean the next kind of direction here too is on the side of um nurturing and developing the relationships with the actual outlets in the press side and i presume that there's probably some level of like that mutual coolness and respect and the, the people that you genuinely like vibe with and want to develop those relationships but to, I mean, really just like crack that one up and like, how do you go about building relationships from scratch and how do you go about nurturing those relationships? Because I know it's uh, like, even having run the podcast, there's people that will just come out out of nowhere, pitching us, not even that good of a story. It's like, <laughs> okay, no, this is not how this works. Um, and I, I'm sure it's like, we're pretty, we're like a small fish in the grand scheme of things here. So for some of these like major outlets and like, even if you think about like Spotify, like playlist editors or like billboard, like these major media outlets, um, like it's, you really have to lay that groundwork before you even put in the pitch. So I'm very curious for, for, from your perspectives, how you go about putting in that groundwork and how you go about nurturing those relationships. Yeah. Melody, if you, um, or Amanda, go for it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think I'm actually, I think this would be a cool one for Melody and I to both answer because I do think the markets make it different. Um, I mean, it's the same process, but I, I would just say that in the U.S., as we know, U.S. is huge. <laughs> you know, like it's, there's, there's so many outlets. And so, I mean, I think I probably know most of the outlets at least, but there's so many writers, like I'll never know um, just because there's so the sheer number. Um, but I'd say at this point, cause I've been doing this now for like, I don't know, like eight years. I think a lot of it just has to do with kind of what Melody said, like, just, I hate to say it, but kind of like working with people that certain outlets like, like, you know, like acts that you've worked with or labels you've worked with where they're familiar with your names. So you're able to kind of cut through the noise that way. Mm-hmm. And then once you kind of have that, like, I don't know what you call that, like burgeoning relationship, um, just doing your best. I mean, within as much as you can tailoring the pitch 
to what you think they'll like so that every time they see your name, they aren't associating it with like this person spamming me or this person's giving me something that doesn't fit. I think that said, I feel for publicists everywhere. I feel for myself <laughs> because, <they're, laughs> you know, you, it, our job is to try to get it placed. And so it, it's hard, you know, like, you know, sometimes you have to, I don't, I don't like to think I send pitches that don't fit, but sometimes you got to, you know, you got to do your due diligence with the projects that you're hired to do. So, you know, within your control, trying to really tailor who you speak to. And Melody actually taught me this when we were early on working together. Um, like when I was getting 23 off the ground in the U S because the brand is a bit newer here that like leveraging the people that I am close to, you know, because I've naturally become friends with them or, you know, I've worked with them a lot of the years while we're in these early stages. Um, and then once, you know, once the roster has, you know, a bit more marquee names kind of like then branching out to widening the net, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think much the same with what Amanda said. Um, in Australia, there's, there's like 10 outlets. <laughs> um, so it's, it's tough because, um, you know, you're, un, you're talking to the same people every day about multiple things at once. So I think, um, because of that, I've come to really, um, really also feel for the editors and the writers too, who are getting pitched like, uh, the same amount of music that comes out in the US, like, you know, music is global. Um, but like, you know, it's just these, these five editors on these 10 platforms. So it's, it's, I, I just try and really be um, specific about who I'm pitching to this magazine versus this magazine, you know, like um, just making sure that it's not a, a dance track that I'm trying to send to a folk magazine I think like very basic things like that but in terms of like relationships um I think just that mutual respect not spamming them like you know not chasing them up every every day because you know ultimately that's annoying <laughs> um so just giving them time to be able to like realistically look at something not being pushy trying to trying to give everybody space to actually consume um the, the music that you're sending. But I think also like the, um, it's important to give them enough time. I think sometimes like it's sometimes out of our control, but I think when you are able to pitch something with a, a proper lead time, then you give them the opportunity to really consume it. And I think that is a part of like a good relationship because they know that you'll always like, they'll know that if they see your name, you're always like giving them ample time, ample space, like, giving them the direct links. They're just like making their life a little bit easier. Um, but then at the same time, I think, you know, before COVID, you're like, the reality should be that you're seeing these people at shows and you're seeing them around at different things. Um, and so you already, you know, have this rapport just out of existing in life. So I think, you know, you're all interested in the same things. So like you're naturally going to come across each other side of the email world so just having an actual relationship like human to human outside of work and and sometimes like yeah just I guess I feel like I'm explaining just friendship I think just being friends with people um <laughs> is is also just really helpful and also you know gifts just kidding really quickly I um I'm, I'm starting to train people who work with me um, cause the, like we're starting to grow in the U S um, which I'm really happy about. And I'm having to like, kind of remember 
like what it's like in the beginning. Cause I do think that publicity is one of those things where it's like, whatever that curve you learn about in science, where it's like so hard in the beginning mm-hmm. and then it's like, not like it ever gets like super easy, but it's just the beginning is really hard because no one knows mm-hmm. your name and mm-hmm. you're just it's so hard to cut through the noise. And I think that if you're an artist who's pitching, you know, representing yourself or, you know, you're working with a publicist, I would just make sure that you're reading what these people are writing. Like it's really easy to get lost and just like kind of go through the motions. But like, I've been training a woman who's working with me now to like read like, you know, all the picture reviews of this genre like genuinely read them and then the one you really liked like just send them a note that's just like picked up like I'm not pitching them but just like I really liked how you did this um like I'd love to read you know I can't wait to read more from you mm-hmm. they don't always respond but it's just like an easy way to build like rapport and it shows them that you're paying attention yeah right uh, right great, yeah that makes great, sense great little hack <laughs> how does um how does the approach change for an artist when you're trying to help them cross over into a new market. So, um, you know, for artists that you may be working with in the US that you're trying to cross over into the Australian market or vice versa, um, how does the strategy change uh, when kind of those things are happening simultaneously? I feel like we both have a lot to say about this um, <laughs> because when Amanda started um, working with 23, we started like, it was a bit more Australia heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think actually I'll just let Amanda talk about that. But um, in terms of um, in terms of sometimes like often, oftentimes actually I'll work with artists that are quite um, have a really strong global presence, Mm -hmm. for example, like a strong presence in the States um, who who are brand new to Australia. Um, And even if you have like, you know, all of the perfect, um, like links to the best press possible, it sometimes still doesn't translate. And I think particularly um, with Australia, um, we are so similar to the rest of the world in many ways, but we're also so different. Like we're not necessarily behind, but, you know, there needs to be some sort of relevance to Australia. And I think sometimes like maybe it's because we're also an English speaking country and, you know, like a, whatever, but it, mm-hmm. we, we, we still need something that like grounds it to the Australians and makes it relevant for Australians. So I think, um, I think one thing that is obviously not always possible, but having the opportunity to actually come to Australia and perform or like, you know, meet people here and do press here is really important. Like it's, I think fundamentally, if you're really trying to crack Australia, they really need to kind of do that. Um, Mm. But I think also, uh, you know, sometimes I work with, with projects that are, yeah, kind of a a little bit bigger and they really want to crack Australia, but then they can't dedicate anything specifically to Australia. So like all the premieres go to the bigger outlets in the States or all the big press pieces happen or the big moments happen at a time where Australia is asleep. Um, I think that's like fair enough. And there's so many different like countries and people and and goals to, to juggle. But I think sometimes like you got to give, you got to give the territory something to work with. So whether it's like just like one video premiere or something that happens at a time where Australians are awake or just something, you know, like we got to have something to hold on to. I think um, it sometimes is helpful to just have that one thing, like that one premiere or that one good press piece. And then to get Australians to actually like um, 
read it and listen to it and engage with it and then go from there. Um, it just it, it just isn't as immediate as people assume it is. It, it does take um, some sort of connection. I don't know if that answered the question, but. It did. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't have an answer that came to mind. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I think it's, I think we're different in that way. I mean, obviously, we're always talking about how, like, I guess in the U.S., it feels like, I feel like outlets here are open to it. it I don't know how to explain this. It doesn't have to be a U.S. story here. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it's more music-led than it having to be from, a, like, a, you know, a state in the United States. Um, so it's more for me at that point about the other things we talked about, like the story and the music. And I think like Melanie actually talked about this, but we were chatting before we got on this interview that like there was one band we worked with called Alto Palo. Um, we worked mm-hmm. with a lovely UK publicist, the same as Kim. Um, and that was like, it was really fun to work all three territories at once, which I know most people often are. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you can really lean into like, like where, where the strengths are in each territory. Um, and kind of help each other that way. Awesome, awesome. Can I just add something? Yeah. Uh, And what Amanda just said just reminded me that, um, so as Amanda explained, 23 does both the US and Australian press. Um, And I think like a a big part of why we wanted to combine them was I don't think currently there's any other PR company that does more than one territory with the person um, in each territory, like physically there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think really it, it makes, um, when I started as a manager with this independent band who refused to sign any label deals, I was kind of doing everything at once and I'm so far across the other side of the world and time zones are annoying. And mm-hmm. so when, I, when it came to hiring third party publicists, I think it was kind of tough to make sure that every single person was on the same page and that it was like they were working the same um, campaign and they were working together and doing that leaning on which territory kind of has, you know, certain strengths. And I think um, when we first started trialing working together, we kind of felt that we were able to do that more seamlessly where we could, where we, you know, we're constantly talking every day anyway, but then we could relay like, how thing you know the nuances of what works in the states and the nuances of Australia mm-hmm. and like explain each territory to each other in a way that's not competing against one another but trying to actually build the project as a whole. Um, and I think yeah, when we when we do get a taste of being able to do that in the UK too, it, it does like feel like it kind of fills in all the blanks and between right. the two of us, we're also trying to fill in the blanks and like um, yeah, you know some some things like might work first in one territory and then learning how to build it into the next territory, I think requires like constant strategy sometimes. It can be really tough, especially if you just haven't been in that territory or you don't have any relevance. But then like Amanda said, sometimes the music just connects, you know, globally and everyone's talking about it. But I think that's also not as easy to do. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes there's a lot of like, strategy behind that or it's taken a while to get to that point where it might seem like it's just kind of lifting off the ground but in reality it's been like months of of work in the background I feel like that was a tangent but I do feel like what I wanted to get out of that was just that you know constantly being in conversation and working with the other territories to build from each other is really helpful 
Yeah, it's funny when people think they're saying tangents because even even if it is a tangent, it's still all relevant information that most people don't know. So, so it's like you you only wanted to take twenty percent out of that, but like everyone who listens to this is going to absorb a hundred percent of that. You know, so so yes. it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely not a tangent on our end. I appreciate it. Um, feel free to go on a tangent on this one, actually. But, um, what what are the uh, what are the characteristics of a successful campaign? Um, just kind of like from start to finish and 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 uh, what's an example? Um, good question. Uh, I can think of one off the top of my head for Australia. Um, Would you want to talk uh, about Maya? Because I feel like that's a good one. Who? Maya? Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that I had in mind was No Name. Um, I started working with her just before her last album. And um, to me it was uh, like quite a perfect campaign in, in many ways because she had um, was coming to Australia for a tour um, and she had like shows that she was plugging but she also had the album that she was plugging and I think the success of that album was that um, it really felt like when you came to Australia at that time everyone was talking about the album because it was the feature album on most stations or it was added across pretty much every station, but not just that it like the presence was there, but it was that people could talk about what the album was about. They knew the themes of the album. They knew what was important to her. Like you could say no name and then immediately afterwards you'd have these like key thoughts that would immediately pop into your head because it felt like her story about, about that record was actually being shared in press. Um, mm-hmm. and I think what's really helpful too is that like, once a full album's out, you want to be able to like, if I like something, I want to be able to Google it and like be able to delve into the story. And Like I love to know what each song about artists that I love are. So I love to be able to read those stories. So it felt like, it felt like at the time you could do that and you could, you know, actually like dive into these album reviews and these interviews and kind of get a sense of um, what the full record was. And it felt like, and I think it's a, uh, benefit of Australia having so many such little outlets mm-hmm. because it was covered in basically everything it felt like you know it was saturating Australia um and but in reality like we don't have that many outlets but it, it, the presence was felt the other only other thing I'd say is that I think um the reason it connected so well with people as well as that Australia is so multicultural and there's so many different voices here um, and so I think it really was able to, um, the stories that she had in that album were really like able to connect to a lot of different people across a lot of different worlds um, outside of even um, Fatima's own world. And I think that was credit to a really incredible album and a really incredible artist, but also just I think it being everywhere and being on all those kind of smaller community stations too where there's dedicated listeners. I feel like I'm rambling, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, we, I, the original question was, what's the markers of a successful campaign? Is that what you said? Yeah. All right. um, I, well, the first thing that came to mind for me was that um, I think you have, to, you have to talk about what the benchmarks are, what the benchmarks of success are for that project. Um, because I think... I know that's like something a lot of, I feel like that sounds really like corny, like techie, but I do think it's different (laughs) for every project. And I think like success, 
you know, there's like Taylor Swift success and then there's success in terms of like, you broke your personal record in terms of how many stream, like streaming numbers or there's success in terms of selling out tours or there's success in terms of um, building a narrative that people relate to. Um, and I, I often feel like lots of the teams I work on, the benchmark aren't, we're not on this page. And it's like, it's about getting on the same page in terms of like, what are we trying to get to at the end of this body of work? Um, Cause you know, it's always growing, continually growing. Um, and one that, that came to mind, I just feel like is uh, Maya is this artist that we're working with. Um, Melody's been building the story in Australia. Um, and it's, it's just like super, like the first time I heard it, it was just immediate. It's just like relatable, like understated pop, like kind of sounds like the first time you hear like Lord or Claro. Um, and I think what, like for her in particular, her name Maya, I think success is going to look like really breaking her in the U.S. because I think she has that capability in terms of like what, how people relate to her music and all the benchmarks that Melody has already passed in Australia. Mm-hmm. Like she's been added to Triple Joe's, like their Tastemaker radio station. She's been covered by pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, so I feel like, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, it definitely did. It definitely okay. did. Yeah, no, super helpful. And I think uh, to come to a close too, I mean, I think from the very beginning of really just trying to craft the perfect story all the way down to the more tactical tips when it comes to nurturing different relationships and trying to make sure you have very objective measures of success um, to set achievable goals leading into a campaign. I think this has just all been super, super valuable for our listeners. So I think everything that you both are up to um, and continuing to do and grow the team is all truly incredible. Love the roster of artists that you guys have been able to work with and, and now it's still just the beginning. So thank you both so much for coming on the show. Tons thank of gems. You so much. Thank you so much for having us. Good summary. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Man, well, that was a great episode. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, man, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a well-balanced episode. I, you know, we got some great stories. Um, I love talking in, about narratives and how people can build on those narratives. I love talking about the campaigns that people have worked on to really exemplify the values and the lessons that we learned. And I think this episode had all of that. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was uh, great. I mean, I think really just asking yourself, trying to find what are those unique elements of your story? What are the authentic things that stand out when you're talking about yourself with other people. I think a lot of this process starts from introspection and reflection. And if you're an external party, a manager working with the artist, just being able to know them very deeply, being able to have candid, authentic, vulnerable conversations is what's really going to give you the gems in order to craft these compelling stories. And I think that if you're really able to frame things up in a compelling story and in tandem build authentic friendships and relationships with different editors and different writers, that's how you're going to win in this game. Um, so on that note, now that we've distilled it down to the major keys, uh, we're going to call it a wrap. We're going to call it a night. So as always, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We, we wish you the best of luck in your journeys and your careers in the music industry. We got your back and thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.